Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. This, this is the day the Lord has made. And I will be very sad and depressed in it. No, what does the Bible say? This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't be sad. Don't be sad. Don't be mad. Be glad. You said, you know, Pastor, if you knew what I was going through, you'd be sad. If you knew what I was facing, you'd be mad. If you knew what I was dealing with, well, I don't doubt that you're dealing with some uncomfortable circumstances in your life. But nevertheless, Jesus is greater. God is bigger. And he's promised us deliverance, healing, eternal life. We've got the way through the valley of the shadow of death. Don't get so sad looking at the shadow. Don't be so sad. Don't get mad looking at a shadow. Look at that shadow. Man, look at that shadow. I mean, that'd be kind of crazy. You know, you see your shadow, you get mad at it. You see somebody's shadow, you get mad at it. That shadow is trespassing. Man, that shadow really gets me upset. That's... You wouldn't get mad at a shadow. It's just a shadow. You wouldn't be sad over a shadow. Well, all these things in this world are just a shadow. In the light of him. He is reality. He is reality. And we're just living in a shadow right now by faith. By faith, we're looking to him. We're looking beyond the shadow and we're looking to him. We're looking into the light of God's face. Into the light of his countenance. Into the light of his glory. That's where our focus is. It's on him. Because all these things, like a shadow, are passing away. Everything's just passing away. You say, that sounds depressing. No. Praise God. We're going on to bigger and better. There's bigger and better and greater things. Even in death itself, the Bible says we have victory. We have victory. Through the Lord Jesus, we have victory over death, over hell, over the grave, over everything hell would try to throw at us in this life. We have the victory over it. The Bible says we are more than conquerors. That's for every moment of every day of your life. You wake up and guess what you are? You're in the middle of a battle. It looks like all hell's breaking loose. But what are you? More than a conqueror. More than a conqueror. See, so it doesn't matter what's going on around you. You know what you are. Because you're in him. You're walking in the light of his truth. In the light of his word. You're walking as lights in this world, not focused on the shadow. Not focused on the shadow, but on the truth. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Somebody say, God is greater than all. He's bigger than all of us. He's bigger than all of us. He's bigger than you. So that means you don't have to worry about you. Isn't that nice? Think about it. When God becomes bigger to you, in your understanding of him, then you won't worry about you anymore. In other words, you won't worry about your life anymore. You won't fear for your life anymore. 
You won't run for your life anymore because God's bigger than you. He's bigger than your life. And he's become our life. He is our life. Oh, hallelujah. You know, eternal life isn't just something you get when you go to heaven. It isn't just talking about heaven. Eternal life, eternal means unceasing. And the life that it's talking about there is the life of God, which is this fullness of life, absolute fullness of life. It's the God kind of life. It's God's life. And so when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you receive eternal life. You receive at that moment unceasing absolute fullness of life. Overflowing life. It isn't just something you get when you go to heaven. That's why Jesus said you ought to be praying, thy will be done, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? Because we can have eternal life now, just like they have it in heaven. What makes heaven so wonderful? Eternal life. God's life. His presence. Absolute fullness of life. So why exist when you can have absolute fullness of life? Stop existing and start living. Start living the life. Live the life of God. Let's walk in his life. And it all starts with his word. Jesus said in John 6, he said, The words that I speak to you, they are life. They are life. They are life. They are spirit and they are life. In Proverbs chapter 4, the Bible says, His word is life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. It takes care of the flesh. It takes care of your body. It brings health and strength to you physically. But it all starts with the word of God, the life of God. How many want to live the life? Well, how do you do it? Live the word. Live the word of God. Live, living the word of God is living the life. This is why Jesus came. John 10.10. 10. He came that you might have Life, and that you might have it more abundantly or overflowing. Again, absolute fullness, overflowing life. And it's to be unceasing. It's supposed to be unbroken. Unbroken. We're enjoying it no matter what is coming against us in life, no matter what kind of battles we're facing, no matter what kind of circumstances, no matter how things feel or look in the natural Man, we're enjoying this abundant life. Because we're looking to the inside. We're looking to the word of God that we've hid in our heart. We're following the leading of the spirit of God. And he is leading us in guidance. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I'm not going to fear any evil. It doesn't matter what kind of... And there's evil. No, we're not, we're, it's not that we're making light of evil. Evil is, is nothing to make light of. We're not making light of that. We're just making a big deal about the God who's with us in the midst of evil, which makes evil not a big deal. You understand what I'm saying? So it's, it's a big deal, but it's really not a big deal when you're in God, seeing things from his perspective, walking with him. Knowing that he is your daddy. He is your daddy. Hallelujah. So you say, God is my daddy. 
Yeah, man, you got God, you got God walking, you got God walking with you. You got God walking. And he's got angels all around him. So I mean, it's like you're just like a, a walking army. I mean, where you go, the kingdom of God goes. Where you go, the awesomeness of the Almighty goes. The glory of God goes. The life of God goes. The power of God goes. Wherever you go, there He is. And we got to get over in that place where we're more conscious of Him than any created thing. Even our own flesh. We're not just so caught up in our flesh and how we feel and how, how we look and how, what, what's going on in our life and all these people around us and all these things. We're more conscious of Him. Than any created thing. Can we live like that? Yes. That's why the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3. Set your mind on things above. Not on the things of the earth. Set your mind on things above. You can do it. And the Bible says perfect peace to those whose minds are stayed on him. So we're renewing our minds with the word of God. Learning to keep our consecration, consecration's good, but consecration comes from concentration. That's, that's, where, that's where consecration comes from. It comes out of concentration. You're concentrating on him, not concentrating on trying to consecrate yourself. Oh, that could help somebody a whole lot. See, a lot of folks are trying to, you know, really consecrate themselves. And that's what religious people do. Religious people focus on their consecration, trying to be consecrated, trying to be a good enough person, trying to live right, trying to do the right thing. But that's not what we do. I'm not trying to live right at all. I'm not focused on consecration. I'm focused on concentrating on him, on his word. Because as you concentrate on him... It consecrates your life. You concentrate on him, and it consecrates your life. Isn't that powerful? So that's the difference from, you know, between relationship with the Lord, looking to him, walking with him, focusing on him, and trying to be a good religious person with a bunch of good deeds. We're not, we're not, try, we're not out trying to have a bunch of good deeds. We're out wanting to walk with him. We want to walk. We want to be aware of. To walk with him, you got to be aware of him. So we want to be aware of him. We want to be aware. And how can we help make ourselves aware of him? Just fill your thought life with what he says. Concentrate on what he says, so that whatever circumstance you get into in life, his word comes to your mind, because he's got a word for everything you face in life. He's got a word for everything you do in life. Everywhere you go in life, the word of God is the answer. It's the answer. So you just fill your mind with the Word of God, and you, know, you get into a situation, and you immediately think, what does the Word say about that? I mean, you don't even really kind of say that to yourself. It just, you, just, you, just sort of, you just go there. You, know, you just train your mind to go there. Like, this is what God says about this. This is what God says you do in this situation. This is what God says. This is, this is the way that God says I'm supposed to go. And that's how we walk with Him. We walk with him by filling our thought life with his word. Oh, isn't that wonderful? That we can do that. That we can fill our lives with his word. This is what's on our mind. This is what's coming out of our mouth. To stray from the word is to stray from the Lord. 
To not know the word is to not know the Lord. And you think about how many people walk around in this life, religious people walk around in this life, thinking they know the Lord based on experiences and circumstances that they faced in life. And a lot of times people come up with all kinds of twisted ideas about God and how he works because they're basing who God is on how things turned out for them in life. Well, God doesn't always heal people. You know, sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Where do you get that? Where do you get that? Well, from experience. Because you've seen some people get healed and some people not get healed. So you've come up with God doesn't heal all the time. But that's not God. That's a perverted, twisted, distorted idea about God that you made up. And a lot of folks, they make stuff up and then they pass it on to other people. And they just pass, and people just pass, and it becomes the traditions of men. It becomes good religious doctrine. And it's an abomination to God. It's complete error. It's totally false doctrine. It's a lie. Now, what does the Word say? What does the Word say? He is healer. And that's who He is. He's healer. That's the, healing is what He does. And Jesus said, if you see me, you've seen the Father, and all that came to Him were healed. It wasn't some got it and some people, you know, Jesus looked and said, well, you know, it's not for you, but it's for you. I'll heal this person, but I'm actually going to knock the legs out from under this person. No, no, no. You don't see that with Jesus. So, you see, people are making stuff up and they're calling it God and they're dogmatic about what they believe. They, put, they believe this is how it is. Don't mess with their tradition. See? No, no, don't, don't mess with God. Don't mess with the Bible. Don't mess with the Word of God. That's how you get yourself in trouble. So sometimes you got to, you know, meddle with the traditions of men. Mess around in that. Don't fear messing around with that and messing that all up because it's a mess anyway. And just come in there with the Word of unashamed of the Word of God because we know the truth because we see it in the Word. And here's the truth about the truth is the truth sets you free. That's the truth about the truth. Jesus said you'll know the truth and it will set you free. But some people it won't. Some people, if, you, if they knew the truth, then, you know, it would be a, just a rough road for them. No. Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that's for everybody. So we know that about the truth. The truth sets people free. The truth sets people free. And... Speaking of freedom and liberty, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. Hallelujah. So where he is, there's freedom. Where his truth is going forth, it is freeing. It is freeing. If it's not freeing, if it's not delivering, if it's not healing, then we've got to take a few steps back from it and really examine it and say, is this God? Am, am, am I really following God here? Am I following God here? Is, is this how I'm supposed to be handling this situation? Is it making it worse or is it making it better? A lot of times, folks make things worse for themselves because they're not following his wisdom. They're not following his way of doing things. They're out there presumptuously just exalting how they feel about it. Exalting their opinions, their feelings, their traditions, their ideas about things. And it just makes more of a mess. 
And when things keep getting more messed up, you got to stop. you got to hit the brakes. you got to step back and say, am I following God's way? Because his way leads to liberty. His, la- his way leads to freedom. Jesus said, you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Praise God. Did you come today to get more freedom? Enjoy more eternal, absolute, unceasing fullness of life by partaking of the Word of God. Growing in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. More freedom. More health. More strength. More blessing. And the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow with it. Praise God. God wants to prosper you. He wants to increase you. He wants to bless you. He wants you to overflow. 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 Not just have enough. It's not just, oh, Lord, fill my cup. Fill it up. Well, make it overflow, Lord. Make it overflow because that's his will. Well, I don't, I don't, Pastor, I don't want much. I just, if I just had a half a cup, I'd be a happy person. Well, that's good for you, but that's not good for him. And whose life are you seeking to live? Your life or his life? Don't put the brakes on God and tell him halfway with God. No, 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 no. All the way with Jesus. Going to go all the way with God. Fill it up. Make it overflow. It's overflowing life. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't stop. See, see again, you know, man gets in there and says what he wants. What he wants. Doesn't matter what you want. What does God want? What does he want? Let's get what he wants. That's where true happiness is. True happiness is getting what God wants. Well, I just want a little house with a little picket fence and a couple dogs in the yard, and I'm happy. That's all I need. I'm a very simple person. Well, that's very nice. I'm a very simple person, too. You know, I remember when, you know, we first moved here, and uh, we had our little, uh, you know, a little apartment, and it was a nice, it was a very nice apartment. I mean, to me, it was a big apartment. I mean, it was great. I was happy with my apartment. And I remember one day, you know, we had our nice furniture, uh, you know, that was passed down from great-grandma. And the favorite was the nice pink sofa, you know. Nice pink sofa, little white fur coming out of it. I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy to be saved, you know, loving Jesus. I said, oh, Lord. Lord, I'm just so happy. I said, Lord, I just, I, I just feel like I need anything. I, 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 and I'm just happy right here where I am. And he rebuked me. He didn't sit there and go, that's wonderful. You, you humble little thing, you. That, that's wonderful. That's not what he said. He rebuked me. I said, Lord, I'm just so happy being here. He said, I'm not. He said, get out of here and get a house. That just came to me. It wasn't my thought. You know, the Bible says his thoughts are not our thoughts. It doesn't have to be audible. You just have to, again, know the word of God and know that his thoughts are not your thoughts. And so, you know, his thoughts, you know, I'm thinking a certain direction, else and this thought comes. And it's a higher thought, it's a better thought, it's a thought that's in line with the written word of God. He said, I'm not, get out of here and get a house. I mean, think about that. You know, a lot of people see they would commend themselves for that. I, I remember there was a minister that stood up, you know, and uh, he's world known. And there's thousands of people in this meeting, and he stood up, and he said, you know, ever since that he became very well-known in things. He said he's, he hasn't gotten a bigger house. And he said, and I don't even have a boat. That's what he said. He said I don't have a boat. Hey, you know what? The whole place applauded. 
the whole place applauded. Like not having a boat with something wonderful. I mean, this is again, this is just the traditions of men and how people and how people think. This isn't how God thinks. This isn't how God thinks. One day I was praying. And I said, Lord, I'm just so happy. I wouldn't know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to ask you for. I wouldn't I feel like I have everything. He said, How about a boat? I said, I never thought of that. <laughs> and I went out and he got and the Lord got me a boat. But I guess that other one's ministers better than me. Because he didn't have a boat. See, people people get all kinds of twisted. You get the point? People get all kinds of twisted and perverted ideas about God. And how he is. But God is a God of abundance. He's a God of overflow. He wants to fill you. He wants you to overflow. He wants you to increase. He wants you to be an influence in life. He doesn't want you just living in a cave somewhere, you know, and, 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 and being a religious person. You know, wear a nice robe and put a hood over your head and hum. No, no, no. He, he, he wants you to come out of the cave and he wants you to be a blessing. He wants you to be involved in people's lives. He wants you to help bring liberty and freedom, yes. deliverance and happiness to people. Amen. Yes. Somebody say overflow. overflow. Overflowing life. That's the life for me. Because that's the God kind of life. I said that's the God kind of life. Can you say amen? And we see that in the book of Acts with the early church. We've been doing a series now for uh, about four months. And it looks like today we're going to get to chapter 4. So we're averaging about a chapter a month. So we should have the book wrapped up in about two years. That's okay with me. Let's just get all we can get while the getting's good, right? So we're looking at the early church, the beginning of the church age. We saw, number one, because again, we want to be like them, don't we? How many people know they, they had it together? They, they were walking in abundance. They were overflowing. And they were those that the Bible says turned the world upside down. They turned their world, they turned their world upside down. Why? Because they were overflowing with this God who had filled them with his life. Come on. Do you know how much God has filled you with his life? See, see, we're, we're living in an era, and I see this is the beginning. They didn't have a whole lot of religious ideas about Jesus yet. It was all fresh and new. The devil wasn't able to establish all these doctrines that imprisoned Christians, that held them in bondage to Christian religion, see, held them in bondage. They didn't have all that. So, man, when they, when they got filled with the Holy Spirit, nobody walked up and said, that isn't for today. Nobody walked up to him and said, miracles went out with the last apostle. <laughs> Nobody said that to him. Nobody ever said to him, speaking in tongues is of the devil. They didn't, they didn't, I mean, this is all fresh and new. Nobody was able to pervert it yet. So when they got it, oh my, they walked in it. They walked in the glory of God. I mean, these are Christians right here. If you want to see what Christians are like, look right here. And so uh, we're looking at them, not, not looking around at all the different denominations today. We're just looking at them, getting our minds renewed and getting back to the book of Acts. Getting back to the simplicity of Christianity. 
And it's being in love with God, being full and overflowing with his life. That's what it's all about. And that's what we're getting, getting back to. And then we're going to go beyond them. Come on, by the end of this series. So I just won't end the series until we get beyond them. How's that? I'm not going to end the series until we got it. Until we're back to the book of Acts, like the early church, and then go beyond them. So this is after Jesus rose from the dead. He breathed on his disciples, said, receive the Holy Spirit. They were born again, made spiritually alive. And then they were gathered in an upper room praying, waiting for the promise of the power of the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come upon them. Spirit of God came upon them. People came from everywhere that Peter stood up, preached the gospel, and 3,000 people got saved. And the church age began. Began with a roar. People getting saved. And when these people got saved, they didn't just get saved and then just go back to business as usual. That's not how they lived their life. When they got saved, when they got born again, their lives were over. They were now living his life. It was a totally different life. I mean, their lives were completely changed, transformed by the power of God. It wasn't just, I got saved and then and this, you just kind of continue on as usual. No, no, no. You got saved and they were transformed radically. Radically. They became, number one, a praying group of people. They were prayers. They were prayers. Number two, they were excited. This is all a little review here. They were excited they were full of expectancy of what God was going to do next. And it caused them to walk around excited. Are you excited this morning? Number three, they came together in one place. They gathered together. So important that we continue to come together in one place in the local church. They were united in one accord. How do you do that? Set your minds on the same thing. If we're all setting our minds on Jesus, it's easy. We're all going to end up in one accord in the way we think and the way we do things in life. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. No, I mean not just once. They lived that way. They lived a Spirit-filled life. They spoke with tongues. Tongues. They spoke in tongues and Christians can and ought to be speaking in tongues today. Number seven, they spoke about a God of miracles. Not just in the past tense, but in the present tense. And that's why they saw the miraculous in their midst. Number eight, their message was convicting. They weren't trying to pacify people and make everybody like them and feel comfortable. Man, their words cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. And sometimes the Word of God will do major surgery on your spirit. He'll get inside you and he will go to work and he'll cut things out that would try to destroy you. And he'll mend things up and fix things that have been torn. God's Word will go in there, do major surgery. Praise God. Let the surgeon work today. Let the surgeon work today. Praise Somebody's working on me. Number nine. They preached on repentance, preached on repentance. And we saw that again uh, last week as we were getting into it. We saw that repentance brings times of refreshing. Times of refreshing which lead to times of restoration. 
God wants you to repent. In other words, he wants you to turn fully to him. Turn to him. So you're going along life. He shows you an area that that's not his will. That's not his way of doing things. And you repent of it. You turn from it. And you turn to his way of thinking, his way of doing things. And he wants you to repent so that he can refresh you. He can pour out his spirit on you. And his spirit brings liberty, freedom. He wants to pour his spirit out. He wants to refresh you. Repentance brings about refreshing. And then that allows God to do a restoring work in your life of of working in you in such a way as to bring you back to his original plan for you. Which is his plan for man before mankind ever sinned. That's what, his, that's what his plan is for you, to get you back to before Adam and Eve ever sinned. He wants to fully restore your life from the inside out. Total restoration. But it's hard for him to do restoration with people that are agitated. It's hard for God to do a work of restoration in the midst of frustration. You got all these people and they're frustrated. They're frustrated. They're frustrated. It's hard to do a restoring work in that. It's hard to work with that. Because how many of you know when you're frustrated, you're tense? You tighten up, right? And it's hard to work with pottery that's stiff. It's hard to work with things that aren't pliable, things that are stiff, things that are tight. How many people know that about your muscles sometimes? Sometimes you know, it's, it's, it's hard for you to do something because your muscles are too tight. You need to get a massage. You need a time of refreshing. You need someone to get in there. Get that knot out of there. Loose, lo- loosen that tension up. Once we get that thing loosened up, oh, now we got a, an efficient working arm or an efficient working leg or whatever it is, Right? But when it's tense, it's hard to run efficiently. It's hard, to, it's hard to do well. It can actually cause more problems. If you're into sports or something like that, you can actually pull muscles, tear muscles. You can cause all kinds of, you can cause further damage if you don't loosen up. So God, it's the same thing, <clears throat> same thing spiritually. If you're all stiff and tense and frustrated and faithless, he, can't, he doesn't have much to work with. He can't do very much. So He needs to refresh you. He needs to loosen you up a little bit. He needs you to relax. Ah, hallelujah. Hand people know, uh, you know, they they sell electric razors. And you take that, you can take an electric razor and and you use the thing, and you just keep using the thing, use the thing, use the thing. But then there's that rest mode. And when you put it in the rest mode and you turn the thing off, that's in the recharging mode. That's in the restoration mode. It's getting restored while it's resting. So God wants you resting on the inside while working on the outside. So we're moving and shaking on the outside. We're getting things done. We're going and we're doing and all these things are happening. But on the inside, it's a rest. It's a rest because we're following his way of doing things. We're allowing the spirit of God to work in our lives. And he has us in a place of rest. And as we're resting, then he's able to work. Do a work of restoring. Restoring everything the devil has stolen from us. Can you say amen? Everybody say, rest it on the inside. Work it on the outside. <clears throat> yeah. 
Praise God. You ever heard of the saying, well, he's burning the candle at both ends. Well, that's really true. Most people are, you know. They're, they're burning from the inside and outside. They're stressed and worried and fearful and, and, and unbelief and, and all this on the inside. And they're, and they're going after it and doing it and getting it all done on the outside. And someday, you know, that's going to catch up to folks. You don't want to burn the candle at both ends. You want to be building yourself, being renewed in your spirit, being refreshed, being restored, being renewed by the spirit of God while you're working on the outside. Sometimes people are just really tired, and it's not sleep that they need. See, they just keep sleeping, they keep sleeping, they keep sleeping, and they still don't get any better. They think, well, maybe, maybe it's more coffee. No, it's not more coffee. I can tell you that right now. I'll just put on another pot of coffee. That's not the answer. There's a problem. Let's fix the problem. It's not a lack of coffee. <clears throat> it might not be a lack of sleep. <clears throat> Could be, but might not be. Well, maybe it's, you know, I'm not eating enough. I'm not drinking enough. Well, it, it, it might be that, but it might not be. It could be you're not praying. You're not walking with God. You're not sensitive to Him. You're not listening to Him. You're not resting in Him. And so maybe you're burning yourself out on the, burning yourself out on the inside while doing everything you know to do on the outside. We can go to therapists and get all kinds of shots and pills and do all kinds of stuff to the outer man. <laughs> But what's going on in the inner man? See, a lot, see, most people in this world neglect the inner man, the spirit. We're spirit beings. We live in these bodies. And, and you can't neglect the spirit. But you see, you get that spirit all built up, and it's no telling how far the outer man will be able to go. He just to keep it going and going and going and going and going. Hallelujah. It's because it's supernatural strength. You got, superna- you got the strength of almighty God. Working in your inner man, charging you up and strength, renewing those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. Hallelujah. That's for us. Be like the eagles. And so rest. Be refreshed. Let God refresh you. Let God make you smile. Let God make you laugh. Because before restoration, there's refreshing. And the joy of the Lord is... See, it all goes together. The joy of the Lord is your strength. So get happy. So we're turning to Him. Somebody say, I'm turning to Him. What if you don't turn to Him? Well, we saw it in uh, chapter 3, verse 23... It says, and it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet, talking about Jesus, shall be utterly destroyed. Utterly destroyed. We have to understand that. God is so good. He is so awesome. He is so wonderful. But to depart from him, to forsake him, to resist him, to go a different way from him could lead to utter destruction. Utter destruction. And that isn't just in this life, but that's for eternity. Don't play with your eternity. You have an amazing opportunity to know God, to walk with Him, to receive of His life. Dear God, repent if you need to repent. Turn to Him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Be refreshed. Let Him restore you. Let Him work. God is patient, long-suffering. He's working with us. He's helping us. 
He's with us through the valley, on the mountaintops. God is with us. To turn from that, to forsake that, is to set yourself up for utter destruction. And we want to know that we are secure for heaven, as if we're already there. Hallelujah. We need to be as secure for heaven as if we're already there. Glory be to God. It's as good as done, in other words. We're there, man. We're living the life. We're living the life. I just keep coming back to that. I can't, I'm sorry about that, but that's just where the Spirit's leading us. We're living the life. We're living the life. Amen? And then we saw that the early church, they continued steadfastly in the Word. They called it the Apostles' Doctrine. You know, they started learning. They started getting teaching from the apostles. And the Bible says they, they grabbed a hold of it and they continued in it. They didn't drift from the word of God. This is what made them so strong, so awesome, so amazing. They continued steadfastly in fellowship. They were praying together and eating together, spending time together. This is a big part of getting back to the book of Acts. They feared God, number 12. Number 13, they did signs and wonders. 14, they saw people being saved daily. People were coming into the knowledge of Jesus and being saved. Number 15, they knew they were God's gift to the world. 16, they had favor. Number 17, they were unashamed and bold. 18, they knew they were servants of the master and not the source of the miraculous. They knew they weren't the source of the miracles that God was doing through them. God doesn't just do miracles apart from his body, the body of Christ. He does things through believers. He works through our faith. He works through our faith. And so they saw God do tremendous things through them, but they never took the glory... They understood that they were his servants. They were not the source of this great power. That this great power was beyond them. The things that came out of their mouth, the wisdom that flowed out of their lips, it was beyond them. It was revelation from heaven. See, uh, that's how we want to live our life. We want to live our life where our li- what we're doing is bigger than us. What we're saying is bigger than us. What we're accomplishing is bigger than us. So we do our part, but oh, we're expecting God to come through and do his part. That his mighty power, his great wisdom is what's flowing out of our life so that we're outdoing ourselves. We're outdoing ourselves. There's someone a whole lot bigger that's working through our lives. It's not just us. It's not just us. All right. So we're here finishing up chapter 3. Peter is in the middle of preaching. He's preaching a message. There was a man that just got healed. He had been crippled from his mother's womb. Never walked a day in his life. Peter and John, looking at him, reached out their hand, pulled him to his feet, performed a miracle by the power of God. And this man was completely healed. So Peter, you know, people came running together because of this great miracle. So Peter stood up and he began to preach to the people. And so we're picking his message up here in verse 25 of chapter 3. He says, you are sons of the prophets. He's preaching to thousands of people. You are sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Blessed. 
To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. Notice that statement. Verse 26 again. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you. Sent him to what? Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? To bless you. That's why Jesus came. To bless you. Say this with me. Say, Jesus came to bless me. Is that biblical? Yeah, it's the Bible. That's why he came. He came to bless you. He's a blessing. And he came to bless you. How? Well, number one, in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. That's the greatest blessing. The greatest blessing that God can bless you with is to turn you away from a life of sin. In other words, what is sin? Sin is missing the mark. That's literally what it means. It means to miss the mark. In other words, you're missing God's best. You're missing God's purpose. You're missing God's plan for your life. Well, who in the world wants to miss that? So he came to turn us. To turn us so that we wouldn't miss it anymore. So we'd hit the mark, hit the mark, hit the mark every time. So we're not making more problems for ourselves. We're not creating trouble for ourselves, which is what sin does. Sin is a mess. Sin is Satan's counterfeit fun for your life. Did you get that? Sin is Satan's counterfeit fun for your life. He gives people sin. He he tells them to sin. He gives them all kinds of sinful ideas. If you do this, this will bring you pleasure. If you do this, this will make you really happy. If you do this, then you'd be fulfilled. And it's a setup to mess you up. So he comes and he gives you this thrill that is going to ultimately ruin your life. Just wreak havoc in your life. But it's fun for a moment. It's pleasurable for a moment. It's a counterfeit fun to the life of faith. To the life that God has for you. Because the Bible says in God's presence is fullness of joy. And pleasures forevermore. Eternal. Eternal. Unceasing. Pleasures unceasing. You see, you do it God's way and there's no sorrow added to it. It's pleasure through and through. It's fun to the full and overflowing. It's not fake fun. So many people are enjoying fake fun. Just turn on the TV. Go watch MTV or something, you know? And, and, and they look like they're having so much fun. They're just having so much fun. It's fake fun. Are you with me? It's fake fun. It's fake fun. And they, they all try to act like they got the lights and the makeup and everything. And everything just looks, oh, he looks so exciting. It's so exciting. And it's pitiful. It's pitiful. Dig deep into it. It's full of muck and mire. These people's lives are mired down in darkness and deception. They're a mess from the inside out. But, oh, 
It looks like such fun. Looks like such fun. Well, it's a fake fun. It's fun, but it's fake. It's only going to last for a little while. And then it vanishes away with your life. Just steals from you. Just robs from you. And so just like, just like coffee, you got to get another fix. You got to get another fix. You got to try to keep, try to keep, try to satisfy that. And you're an empty soul, man, trying to satisfy yourself, trying to fill yourself up. And you're just getting more and more empty. Just getting more and more empty. It's all fake. No, bless God. We want God's fun. It's unceasing fun. I said it's unceasing fun. And so how do we experience that? By turning away from iniquity and doing it God's way. Do the creation God's way. And then you'll get the most out of the creation. Do it God's way. And instead of the creation dominating you, you'll dominate the creation. It's time for us to dominate and enjoy the creation rather than the creation feeding on our life. People let the creation of things in this world just feed upon, prey upon their lives, ruin their lives, and live unsatisfied lives. No, he came to bless you by turning you away from your iniquities. That's the way to blessing. Now, again, we don't focus in on turning away from iniquities. We focus in on him. We focus in on him. You focus in on him, and it turns you away. So you can't be focused on him and that other thing. And all those sinful things. See what I'm saying? So if sinful thoughts come, oh, what am I going to do? I got to stop this. I got to stop. stop. Stop fighting the sinful thought. Stop fighting the sinful temptations. The sinful, Satan, you leave me alone, Satan. Stop fighting the devil. Turn to him who defeated the devil. Turn to him who put the devil under his feet. Why are you, why are you, you, you and you're determined to live a God-fearing life and everything, and you're wearing yourself to a frazzle. Get your eyes off and put it on him. If you turn to him, then you turn away from iniquity. You turn to him, you've turned away from sin. You turn to him, you've turned to life. You've turned to a blessing. And you're about to get blessed. Woo, hallelujah. Praise God. And, you know, some of the best blessings, they don't manifest right away. They don't materialize immediately. Why? Because it starts on the inside of you. See, if you're looking for a quick fix, then you're going to miss. You're going to miss God's best for your life. You can't, can't be looking for a quick fix. You focus on him. You follow him. And he fixes everything in your life, starting in the unseen. Nobody else sees it. But it's happening in you. Change is going on the inside of you. You're getting freer on the inside. See, then that begins to materialize on the outside. So that's why we don't see sometimes the material happen immediately. The outward things change immediately. But things are changing because our eyes are on him. Somebody say, I'm following Jesus. Praise God. I don't get frustrated. You know, I'm trying. Listen. Well, says fight the good fight of faith. So it's a fight. There's always a way things keep. Look over here, huh? Huh? World's always calling out to you. Have you ever found out that, you know, marketers, they found out, what gets your flesh to respond? Things blinking and flashing and things coming in front of your face. And I mean, you, I mean, you can't even watch the news without this flashing underneath and this coming over here. It's like, I, I think I'm supposed to listen to what he's saying or reading the thing under here. I'm not sure. Or should I read this over here? Or what? <laughs> and so people end up getting nothing. They just do this. 
And they just stay focused on the station. They just stay focused, and that's what they got. They got you held. What do you say? Right? Because that's your flesh. That's your flesh. So your flesh, your flesh is always wanting to do this. But we're learning to concentrate. 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 And thus, we're being consecrated. As we concentrate on him and getting freer and freer from the mess. We're not fighting the mess. We're focusing on him. Focus on the Father. Don't fight with the mess. Focus on the Master. Don't fight with the mess. Can you say amen? Chapter 4. Chapter 4. Come on, give it up. We hit chapter 4. We've been in this since November. Praise God. Chapter 4. But it's good, isn't it? We need, we need every verse. We need every word. Man lives by the words that proceed out of the mouth of God. Verse 1. Now as they spoke... Remember, he's preaching. As they spoke to the people, the priests, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed, that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in custody until the next day. For it was already evening. However... Many of those who heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So here the rulers rise up and they're imprisoned. Peter and John are thrown in prison for what reason? For getting a man healed. Bringing people into the presence of God. Preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. Preaching the good news. How many people know? Not everybody is excited about the Bible. Excited about church, excited about the good news. It's not good to everybody, but it's good to us. Just because it gets some people upset, that doesn't mean we're going to back down from it. And they sure, they sure didn't. Verse 5, and it came to pass on the next day that their rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas, the high priest... Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or what name have you done this? That was a bad question. That's a loaded question. Then Peter, filled with fear, because of these rulers, they were so powerful, (laughs) I mean, these were the San, this was the Sanhedrin. These were the Sadducees. I mean, they were Sadducee. Right? It's interesting. The persecutors of the Christians were sad, and they were called Sadducees. Because you could see that they were sad. And they're coming against the good news. They're coming against the joy of the Lord. And so Peter, filled with fear, filled with the fear of man, fear of what's going to happen to his life. He's been imprisoned. He's been in jail all night. What's going to happen to my family if they kill me? You know, my kids need me. Especially Margaret. She can't live if living is without me. She sings it all the time. No, he wasn't filled with all this mess. 
He was filled with the Holy Spirit. Woo, hallelujah. Don't let the wicked or the trials of life catch you going through life unfilled. We need to keep ourselves filled with the Holy Spirit so that no matter what comes our way, we got what it takes. We got what it takes. We need to maintain a spirit-filled life. Can you say amen? Amen. Verse 9. If we, Peter's now preaching to these group, this group of uh, leaders. If we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all. And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. This is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. Notice this. They did not water down their message just because of the audience that was present. I mean, they're standing before people that just had them in jail all night. These people could keep them in prison. These guys could have them executed. These are the guys responsible for Jesus' crucifixion. Their master was crucified at the hands of these guys. And yet Peter fearlessly, filled with the Holy Spirit and unashamed, just preaches the gospel to them like he said it to the crowd of people, pointing out their sin and where they missed it and how they need to get things right. You sinned. You crucified him. You did it. You rejected him. No fear. Isn't that powerful? Jesus said over in Matthew chapter 10, Matthew 10, verse 18. He said, you'll be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Jesus was telling them, he says, you know, the day's going to come. They're going to take you, and they're going to bring you before these councils, before these courts. He said, don't even worry about it. Just be filled with the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, he will give you the words to speak in that moment. Isn't that powerful? Now, we should understand that because we're learning to yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit all the time. And we should always be looking for his wisdom to be coming out of our mouth. His words to be coming. We're looking for him even today to give the utterance in this meeting. I didn't sit down and memorize a whole bunch of stuff. I mean, I've got my notes, my points. But the bottom line is, we're looking to the Holy Spirit to give the utterance. Because he knows specifically what you need right now. And what, what you're dealing with right now, maybe not what you were dealing with last week. And he knows what's coming up next week. So he's prairie, prairie, and you, and he's, he's given us exactly what we need this morning. There's a bunch of things, and, and there's, a, there's a, a line of thought that I just keep finding myself hitting this morning I did not plan on even talking about. 
but it's the Spirit of God. He's trying to drive some points home. He's giving the utterance. Jesus said he would. Jesus said he would. Don't wait until you're arrested before you learn how to flow with the Holy Spirit. A lot of folks, well, when I get arrested, praise God, then God will give me what to say. In the meantime, I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. (laughs) You probably won't do good in court if you don't start learning now to yield your tongue to the Holy Spirit and allow Him to give you the utterance. Can I harp on this a little bit? Just came to my remembrance. When we first started the church 26 years ago, there was a... uh, there was a, the lady that was coming to church, her and her husband. When she came to the church, I mean, she was so oppressed. She came out of some church where just really bad doctrine, really bad stuff. So she was confused. She was tormented. She, was, she, was, she came with a lot of baggage. But anyway, I started ministering the word to her. She started getting it. She started getting help. It was really beautiful. But then one day she called me. And she began to, you sound, she sounded just like she had always sounded to me. You know, in the past, she'd call for help and I'd minister to her. I'd spend hours on the phone with her, ministering to her, helping her. So this just seemed like one of those times, you know, she's sharing with me and she sounds very sweet and she's telling me what she's going through. And, and then after she lays it all out there, she, and, I'm, and I have nothing. I, I'm, for some reason, I have like nothing to say. And after she lays it all out there, she, she stops talking. She's waiting for my response. She's waiting for the answers. I mean, you're the pastor. You've got to have the answer, right? So I'm sitting there. I have no utterance at all. So, you know, that quietness can get very uncomfortable real fast. And so you're sitting there in complete silence. She's poured her, her soul out. She needs help. And I have nothing to say. It was like everything went blank, and I, I had nothing to say. So I started thinking of what I could say. And I said, I remember saying something about fasting. And I remember as I was just starting to say it, it was like the Holy Spirit was pulling on my, on my vocal cords. It was like he was pulling on my vocal cords saying, shut up. <laughs> but, you know, I'm like, I got to say something. I'm not sure why the Spirit of God isn't helping me here, but... I got to say something. So I said, well, you know, you know, I said, you ever tried fasting? And I said something like that to her. She exploded. It was like, like somebody pulled the pin to a grenade. <laughs> she exploded. <laughs> she started screaming at me. Sweetie. I'd never seen this before. She starts screaming. I pulled the phone away from me. I went, dummy, dummy, dummy. <laughs> I was set up. It was a setup. There was nothing that I could say to help her because she didn't come for help. She came mad and she wanted to, she wanted to give it to God. And uh, God knew that. The Spirit of God knew that. And that's why I had nothing to say. I had nothing to say. But then I forced the conversation. Have you ever forced a conversation? It usually doesn't turn out that great, you know. People feel like you're insincere. You know, if you force a conversation, everybody walks away feeling like, you know, you didn't mean it wasn't sincere. Because you did. You're speaking from your head, flesh, not from your heart. Well, man, at the, I just said, she went, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, oh, forgive me, Lord. I'm repenting while she's screaming. <laughs> if I just held my, if I just followed the Holy Spirit, we could have sat there in total silence. 
You know, we have an example of that with Jesus. There was a woman that came crying out after him. She was crying out. She said, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Lord, help! She kept crying out, crying out. And the Bible says Jesus didn't answer her a word. Finally, the disciples were like, Lord, say something, do something with this woman. She, she's, she's persisting. She's follow, calling out after us. Jesus said, it's not right to give the children's bread to the little dogs. What a thing to say. Jesus called this woman a little dog. Well, you know, the woman on the phone screaming at me, she was acting like a little dog, barking like crazy and biting. <laughs> she was. You know, you know, Matthew chapter 7, you know what it says? It says, it says, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine. See, God knows what people where they're speaking from, where they're coming from when they're coming to you. God knows. He knows the heart. He looks past all the fluff. No, son of David, have mercy on me. She sounded so spiritual, this woman. Jesus didn't answer a word. He knew. He knew things weren't right with her. So he didn't answer her. And anyway, by the end of that whole thing playing out, Jesus following the Father, the Spirit of God in him, following God's plan there, when that thing played out, that woman was brought to a place of humility and sincerity where she, God was able to help her, and her daughter was delivered. But you see, but you see, this is how we had to go the hard way, not answer her a word, not answer, but it ended up her getting her answer. How many times do we get in the way trying to be religious? trying to be religiously correct, trying to, trying, to, trying, we're trying to help people, we're trying to appease people, and we're using human reasoning and human compassion to try to reach them and help them, and we're just getting in the way of God. Sometimes you've got to step back. Just let God lead you and guide you, like all the time, not just sometimes. Like all the time. Let's let God lead us and guide us, because he always leads us in the victory. See, we'll always have success. We'll always have good success if we follow the Lord. Hallelujah! Can you say Amen! Praise God. So, Jesus said, it will be given to you what to speak. The spirit of your father will speak in you. Let him start the speaking today. Let him do his speaking in you today. Which means you might have to pause, slow down, and not speak right away. That's why the Bible says, be slow to speak. Be slow to speak so that God can give you utterance. Sometimes we're just too fast to answer things. Too fast to give our opinion, and we miss the wisdom of God. We miss the wisdom of God because we're too fast to speak. We've got to be slow to speak and let the Spirit of our Father speak in us. Can you say amen? amen. Praise God. Say what we say. We're getting back amen. to the book of Acts. Amen. Glory to God. Do you believe that? Yes. Do you believe that? Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's stand on our feet. Let's thank the Lord this morning. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.